Hey, hey, what's happening? You know what? You know what's going on. I'm gonna check to see where we at on Facebook before I get to it to make sure that we are live and direct. You know what I'm saying? Because I got to make sure we are being heard. I got to make sure the people know the deal. We got to make sure. Okay? All right. So let's let's share it a couple of places. And then we're going to get to it. Okay? And if I'll ask you to share as I speak. I ask you to join the conversation as I speak. Again, I'm going to ask you to share to groups, to your friends, because what we're going to talk about today is the importance of the African-American Folklore's newspaper and what the African-American Folklore's newspaper is, okay? A lot of you see the posts, a lot of you have joined the page, a lot of you have um, gotten the newspaper, but I want to clearly break down its importance and its purpose, okay? So you could join in the conversation. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to, to ask because that's what we're doing here. We're making sure that the word is out, but the word is out properly and it comes from the horse's mouth as they say, all right? So we, we, we want to make sure y'all know what's going on here. All right? Okay. So the African-American Folklore's newspaper, as you all know, there has been two issues put out already. And we are right now in the midst of the campaign of trying to galvanize those who uh, read the paper and those who don't know about the paper, we are in the campaign season to raise $10,000 for our newspaper. Again, the newspaper is distributed by Jack Dapper Blues Heritage Preservation Foundation. So I need y'all to understand this is not about Jack Purley. This is about the people Okay, this is about the people. What is the African-American folklorist newspaper? Why, why is it important? First and foremost, the reason why it's important is because we are working to connect the community with the academic space and the academic space with the community. For so long, other people have been documenting our stories. For so long, other people have has been teaching our stories and regurgitating the same historical documents from textbooks. The African-American folklorist newspaper is different because we do not regurgitate textbook documentation. These are stories of the people, by the people, for the people. Who are the people? And why is it called African-American folklorist? First and foremost, there's a lot of people who do not, that are black melanated, that do not subscribe to the term African-American. I get it and I understand it. That is what we're classified as right now. So when you go fill out for a job, when you go fill out uh, for insurance, when you go fill out for all these things, they ask you a list of questions. They ask you who you are, who you identify. The first question that comes up, they ask you, are you black, Latino, or no? When you say no, what they in, when you say no, then they ask you, are you black, African, American? Okay? So do not be um, turned off by the term African American because the use of the word is based or this phrase or the identification is based on what we're classified as today. Okay, we know it comes from Jesse Jackson when he was running for president in 88. Prior to that, we were black. We know the many different classifications and reclassifications of who we are as a people. I don't want us to get caught up in the debate of classification. 
So I took the term that majority of us have to classify as, or maybe not have to, but classify as whether they're in agreement with it or not. Okay? Because the reality of the situation, the African-American folklorist is the platform that gives the story of the blues people by the blues people. So if you're a Pan-Africanist blues people, if you're a Hebrew blues people, if you're a Hotep blues people, if you're an atheist blues people, if you're African spirituality blues people, if you are a native indigenous to America blues people, this is the place for our story. Now, a lot of people always say, well, this we're for the people and this is for the people and this, that, and the third. But what they're doing is uh, one way sending information to the people. So that's more for consumption. The African-American folklorist is not about consumption. The African-American folklorist is a place for those with stories, those researching and documenting stories, and those who want to learn either about the story of the many multitudes and divisions of their people, or if they want to learn how to document their particular people. So the African-American Folklorist newspaper is a very interactive platform, print media as well as online media. And we give the story of the people. Now, more importantly, there are people out here that have stories, but because they either may not be in the academic space or they don't have accessibility to the academic space and or these highbrow, big wig publications to get their story out, or these big wig publications do not honor their story because they don't think anyone wants to hear it because they're not on the world platform or they don't have a million followers, don't worry about it. This is the purpose of the African-American folklorist. Again, like I said a few Sundays ago, if you come across somebody in your building or immediate area or your family member that is doing something in regards of tradition and heritage and, and, and um, all these things, whether they're knitting stuff for two or three people in the uh, building or media community or their household, and you're trying to get this story to, to I, don't, I, I don't know, one of these big platforms, and they're like, yeah, 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 no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's why you come here, because we are the record keepers for the people, and when I say the people, those on the ground level, we are also the conduit which connects the academic world, the, 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 the scholarly world to the layperson. What does that mean? So we have many independent scholars and community scholars. Some had the wherewithal to build platforms whether they're lucrative or whether they're just um, popular in regards to presenting their information, they had the wherewithal to do it. But not all community scholars have that uh, ability, time, and things of this nature, right? Also, furthermore, because of the stigma of the scholarly and academic space, there are community scholars, there are community activists, there are uh, traditional music bearers that take on the role of folklorists, take on the role of ethnographers. Brother Walter, what it do, bro? That, and they believe that the scholarly academic space frowns upon them. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, at one time they did. And in some cases, they still do, because we also have to remember in this everlong journey, this lifelong journey of research and documenting and things of this nature, of your people, of your story, of your culture, things change. 
new information arrives. And in the academic space, in the scholarly space, some of these folk have made tenured career positions out of something they did, said, or whatever, 30, 30 years, 40 years, 100 years ago. So now because they're eating off that, it's not readily easy for them to say, well, you know what, I was wrong, or I got the story uh, mixed up or whatever, right? And with that being said, a lot of them, you know, what are you doing here? What makes you credible? But all of them are not that way. All organizations, all universities, I'm telling you this because I am a hybrid. Now, what do I mean by I am a hybrid? I am the independent community scholar that also has a place in the academic scholarly world. I am a hybrid. I work in both worlds. And what I do know, there's two things that we have to address. One, yes, it is good for us to have our own schools. It is good for us to have our own publications. It is good for us to have our own media, our own economics, and, and all of the above. But it's not good to criticize an industry telling or teaching our story and then we have a multitude of our people that for whatever their personal or family or economic reasons are, they go into these universities and schools and outsiders are like, well, they're not telling the story right and just complaining. So for me, I think it makes sense if our children have to go into these academic spaces, if our young adults and elder and middle-aged adults have to go into these academic spaces, and a good portion of the majority of them are open to partner up with or get the story from the people themselves, instead of us complaining on the outside, it would make sense for us to get on the inside and, and, and create alliances so we can tell the story accurately. So when I say that the African-American folklorist, and myself for that matter, is a hybrid as well as a conduit for both worlds, what I'm explaining is instead of pointing fingers and saying, you see what they're teaching, you see what McGraw Hill did, you see what it, we, we need to get ourselves in front of these students. We need to get our community scholars and activists not only in front of the students, but in front of the faculty and in front of the, 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 the staff. Because you'll be surprised at the amount of universities, colleges, and schools and other organizations that are open to working together with those on the ground to get the story accurate, to train those to have cultural sensitivities. And that's where we come in, the African-American folklorists. We are the platform for the people, by the people, our contributing writers are of the people. Our columnists are of the people. We are working to raise $10,000, which will give us enough to be able to produce a year's worth of print newspapers, as well as give a stipend to our writers who has been working diligently, voluntarily, because they understand the importance of this. And before I go on, I just want you guys to say, and I'll say it again before I finish, we're having a benefit concert for the African-American folklorists, April 23rd. That's a Friday. Okay, Marquise Knox, Corey Harris, uh, Piedmont Blues Acoustic Duels, and some great, great special guests. You'll also get to meet our uh, contributing writers and columnists and get to understand about them. Now, I want you guys to understand because 
In the big scheme of things, one of the reasons so many of us on the ground level, whether we be under the classification of black, whether you're under the classification of poor or low to no income white, whether you're under the classification of Latino, whatever it is, that's on the ground level. Because if, just on the side note, if you actually do your due diligence, you will find that some of the early revolts in the 1500s were not black versus white or white versus black, but it was those in servitude and prisoners of war against the elite. Again, shouting out Fred Hampton. Now, going back to my point, it doesn't matter what you're classified as. What do I mean? You may, and I said this earlier, but I'll say it again. You may identify with Pan-Africanism. You may actually be fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth generation American Indian that has been reclassified as black or Negro. You may be of the Carib nation. You could be Caribbean. You could be Hotep, identifying as Hotep. This is where you come to get and share the story. You could be a Christian. You could be what's considered a black Jew, Igbo. Okay, you can practice African spirituality and, and the things that, that come with Southern black spirituality that a lot of people aren't necessarily, when I say familiar with, they're familiar with it, but they really don't know the truth of that. This is the place to give, share, and receive this information. The African-American folklorist. You could be uh, a feminist or study feminism. You know, I tell a joke, and it's not necessarily a joke, but when I have to um, give speak, speeches, speak, speaks, speeches, lectures, or, or, or PowerPoint presentations, or if I'm doing the Jack Dabba Blues experience, because don't get it twisted, I got some blues coming. I still rang them strings and belt them blues out. In the process, I usually, and this is not really a joke, but it's set up as a joke to, to give the people a context of what our people have to face. So I go something like this. A heterosexual married black man, uh, gay or the acronym, and I'm not trying to be funny, but the acronym of, of gay black man, a, a, a transgender black man, a Muslim black man, and a... Um, I don't know, a Christian black man. They all come out of a store. Which one is killed by the police first? Which one is followed around the store first? Which one is rejected of a job application first? Right? What does that mean? Um, I'm trying to think. If it was Q-Tip, I know it was a De La Soul song. And he said, I asked my man, and he said, black is black. I think it was Pasta Noose. It was, it, was, it was De La Soul, mirror, mirror on the wall. Remember that song? And he asked my man, and he said, black is black. And I think it was Q-Tip who said that in the, in the song. What is my point? Whatever category of black you fall into, this is the space because some of us didn't come from Africa. However, we have been classified as African-American, right? Some of us don't identify as either or, but you've been classified as African-American. So don't let the name be a distraction Understand the purpose. 
we are here to put our story in the proper context. We are also here for those that are non-black to share their experience in black culture. See, a lot of times these other publications or these other academic or community uh, publications and, and organizations just regurgitate documentation. What do I mean by that? Well, they study up on something and they become a historian and an expert on something. And then they just sit there and tell you over and over about what Harriet Tubman did, what Martin Luther King did. What W.E.B. Du Bois said, um, how Booker T. Washington did this, and on and on and on. You know, oh, well, this one was the first one who did this. And you know, he was, and I'm not knocking it because we all need that to understand certain things and have a good grasp on it. What I am saying is our newspaper is not necessarily, well, not even necessarily, it's not a, a, a textbook. It's not as where you go like when you go to these other publications and you're just getting someone's perspective on a textbook as an expert, you are getting the real to life story of the people from the people. Now, there are articles that share information of history makers, either less known or for whatever reason, celebrated at that moment. And when I say for whatever reason, you you could it could be somebody like... Um, Ma Rainey, right? Her, the the Black, uh, um, Black Bottoms movie just came out not too long ago. So then, you know, you may want to know, have more information about different aspects of Ma Rainey. You could definitely come to the African-American folklores, right? Because you also have to understand, we ought, as a folklorist, as an ethnographer, ethnomusicologist, or someone who just appreciates and researches the traditional black musics and expressions, you're going to find this here. And we have to keep in mind, this whole thing started from the blues. And when I say this whole thing, the entire Jack Dapper Blues Heritage Preservation Foundation body of work and, and platforms comes out the blues. And what do I mean by that? Considering the most of you who know me know I, I started... Um, becoming in public light as an MC, a rapper in hip hop, which was what my cultural expression of my day was. So how do I mean this all starts with the blues? Because this entire platform in 2011 came into an existence because I was reconnecting my people to their oral documentation through song. Remember Sunday, what I said, if you want to know what our culture was like, what our people was like in the 1800s, at the turn of the century, and in some cases well before, because some of the songs that were recorded uh, specifically in the 20s and the teens were songs even songs by um, the Lomaxes and Wesley Work and people like this and... and, and um, uh, uh, Brother Worth these were songs passed down from generation to generation well into the 15, 16, 1400s and things like this that was passed and passed and passed along so you listen to these songs and you get to understand the root of the people see the blues and hip hop are one and the same because both expressions which come from the same thing and the same people have no European influence outside of the lack of resources and oppression. Remember I said the other day, Sunday, there are black people who think blues is slave music. There's even one who correlated good friends of mine's performances to something that you would see in the movie Roots. This shows that there's a lot of us that don't understand what this stuff is about. Blues is, if nothing else, the first free black music to actually um, become pop music, travel around the world just like this. And there's other music. You know, we have uh, classical music. Jazz is blues with different instruments. If you go to New Orleans before, um, even before the 1800s, actually, 
before the, the Revolutionary War and stuff, they, they had this many, many, well, all this is many years ago, but even before the Revolutionary War, they had the Red Light District where this is where all, you know, these cats was playing, these women were playing this music. Blues was considered risque music. That's why they called it blue. But it had a style, American born, by black folk here. That was here well before 1619, well before Columbus, all this stuff. But that's neither here nor there, okay? These were free folk playing this. Before Jim Crow, before it, it, it was a situation where light-skinned blacks and dark-skinned blacks were separated. Before a situation where now that if you're black, you're black, Uptown and downtown people of the Louisiana, New Orleans area had to play together. Second installment of the blues comes after emancipation, where these prisoners of war, these servants, these victims of unscrupulous business found themselves in a new situation, free. We talk about plantation life. Everybody talks about plantation life, but plantations were little townships that had little businesses for the plantation where you, you had what they call frolicking. And, and when they had the frolicking and they had the shot houses and the different wood parties, they was playing blues. These terminologies evolved for different reasons. But the point of what I'm saying right now, the blues has always been a freed man expression, freed black man expression, black woman expression. This was no slave music. They had a, they, they had a term for slave music. It was called slave seculars. They had another term for quote-unquote slave music, and Frederick Douglass and W.E.B. Du Bois uh, 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 coined it, referred to it as sorrow songs. This is the purpose of the African-American folklorist. So that kind of historical documentation of the people, the legacies, the descendants of the original blues people you will find in this. The descendants and the legacies of the second era of the blues, which was hip hop. And when I say the second era, that's not denouncing and omitting everything that came in between because there is a line that threads all of these things to the people. However, I will say there are specific nuances that makes each black expression musically different. Though there are a lot of things like the cadence that makes it the same. When you listen to people like DMX, when you listen to people like, uh, what's the, the, the brother from uh, Mystical? They, they, they sound like a pastor. Why is that important? What am I talking about? Early blues, they sound like pastors. And everything in between. Sound like it came out the black church. And speaking of the black church, we break down the black church here. Not in a way that other black publications do. We are not here for the WWE circus. And I'm not knocking nobody for what they do. Everything has a place. And obviously, if I have an opinion on something, that means I am a consumer and or supporter of all these other publications and platforms because I find great works in almost everybody's stuff. And when I say almost everybody, 
you know, you grow with the people producing. You know, and there could be some small technical things that could, you know, be upgraded or whatever. We all have been through that if you're what's considered an independent producer. So I'm not knocking nobody for what they do because everybody has a way to distribute the information of our people and help fight for either the liberation or help for, well, like I said, Sunday night. Ethnographic black folk narrative is revolutionary. So I'm not knocking nobody. What I am saying is what makes the African-American folklorist a specific lane because we are really for the people. You have a story, bring it to us. You want to learn how to document, research, Come to us. You want to archive your findings of your people that maybe some, when these big wigs don't think is as interesting, come to us because the reality of the situation, like I said several Sundays ago, we don't need to necessarily keep hearing about the same three people over and over. There are people that are tangible to all of us that are doing great works. There are behaviors, there are vernaculars, there are locations that people don't know about that they would like to know about. But in order for us to continue providing the information for the people, to the people, with the people, we need your donations. The link is there. And what you do, when you go to the link, it doesn't seem to be working. All right, that's okay. When you go to the link, press it and donate. Press it and donate. Here it is. It's coming up right now. It took a minute. <laughs> but it's coming up. It, it, it was it called? Uh, it's uh, just reactive slow. Maybe it's the snow. Now, mind you, before I even forget, we're at right now, we're at uh, 12. We have 15 contributions right now. Okay, I want to shout out Dave Evans for contri for contributing. I want to shout out C.J. Blanton for contributing. I want to shout out Blue Sanger, Baritha Reddy. I want to shout out uh, Brianna Light. I want to shout out Gospel Black Spiritual Queen, Leah Gilmore. I want to shout out Gloria White, who has, all of them has been, um, supporting us for a long time. Sister Karma, what's happening, Mayette? We need to talk, actually, because we would love to have your pieces platformed, if not pieces in plural, piece platformed in our paper. I didn't, oh, I haven't told y'all. We have a section just for poetry, and expressions of 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 black literature through through poems and rhythm rhythmic words. Okay, and we have some great stuff in there already. Matter of fact, two of our um, writers are poets. Doug Curry is the real deal. Virginia Jimenez is the they're all the real deal. We if if it is part of the black narrative, whatever the expression is, that's what we're doing. However, again, your donations to our crowdfund campaign is vital. We have though matter of fact, let me just make sure I tell you guys this so you know what's going on. We have readers. We serve readers in the, on the Americas, in London, in Canada. 
Okay? We serve readers on the Americas, in London, and in Canada thus far. And it's growing. It is growing. So we, we, for us to continue to serve the people and allow the people to contribute with their stories of their communities, of their genealogies, we need to raise this money. Again, don't forget, we're having a benefit concert, the Black Folk Narrative Fundraising Concert, April 23rd. You'll get to meet the contributing writers, the columnists. You'll get to hear some great blues by real blues folk. And because Corey Harris has his own column. Okay, he is a scholar, brilliant brother, and has a book out. Matter of fact, let me show you something. You see these two posters right back there? Sun House and Memphis Mini? That comes from the Corey, that comes from Corey Harris. He drew those, and he has a book out right now you guys need to get that features those drawings, as well as I wrote the preface. I was honored that the brother asked me to write the preface to his book. If we have an issue with scholars of old and or scholars of today regurgitating a portion of our story then we need to take action into our own hands. And we have begun taking this action with the African-American folklorist. Donate. If you can't donate because of various reasons, share it. If you receive the print paper, take a picture with it and go to the page and drop it. Because this is a revolution. So join the revolution, the black folk narrative revolution. We are all in this together. There are a plethora of ways to get the story out. We have traditional music practitioners. We have poets. We have writers. We have teachers. We have soldiers. We have speakers and orators. We, we, not a competition. We, we are making sure, and when I say we, I'm not even just talking about my platform right now because it's not about me. We, as in us collectively, have a duty to make sure our story is shared properly. The link to the donate page, sister, should be on top of the of, of this feed. I'll link it to you right now. I'll link it to you right now while we're talking. And, and, and also, matter of fact, also like the African-American folklore page as well. I'm stopping right now for those who are just tuned in to find the link and place it into the feed. All right, I just put it in the feed. All right. Let me just make sure. Let me give. Me, I'll place it back in the feed again, so I, I won't get distracted too much. There's a couple of other pieces of information that I want to tell y'all, but I just want you guys to understand what's going on. The African American folklore says right now. Oh, we are a quarterly newspaper, but we are working to become monthly. And then after we become monthly, depending on how strong we get financially, we will. I mean, we, we're going to take this all the way because we need publication about our story, not just news 
And again, I'm not saying that in a condescending tone because we need news. We need history and the documentation of history, but we also need the stories from the people. So I'll just read this to you. The African-American Folklorist is a quarterly newspaper that contains articles about tradition, traditional beliefs, the cultural context, geographical locations, music, and vernaculars of African-Americans and the role each plays and the role each element plays in the lives of the people past and present. Do you understand? We have a youth section. Children and young and youngins <laughs> between the ages of 10 and 17 write for the paper. They have columns. And along with the workshops, one is being put together now. We have a couple of those that um, confirmed they wanted to attend the workshop. We're waiting for more people so that it'll make sense to do it. These workshops that we... Um, conduct to to encourage uh help those who want to document and things of this nature give them um tactics and skills and stuff like this that's also for the children so if you're a homeschool parent reach out tap into this tap into this okay and you can see who the, the writers are, the columnists and everything when you go to the link. This is the Join the Revolution. That's what the campaign really, the name of the campaign really is. Join the Black Folk Narrative Revolution. We also have some other news. Okay? We also have some other news. Jack Dapper Blues Radio, we are in the process of setting up and launching an online radio station that's going to play nothing but blues by the blues people, black spirituals, ragtime, songsters, folk, but traditional black music. So I'm going to say it right now. If you send a song or album and it's not blues, it is not black spirituals, it's not Phil Hollis, it's not slave seculars, it is not sorrow songs, it's not ragtime, it is not songster style songs, it is not reels. The musics that go with our traditional expression. It will not be played. This is a 24-7 Blues People radio station. It is not blues rock. It is not rock blues. It is not neo-soul. It is blues. Black speeches, field hollers, prison songs. Everything that we do from the Jack Dapper Blues Heritage Preservation Foundation is to raise cultural and ethnic awareness of traditional black music and the black experience on the Americas. So you will be getting the history, the music, the story, the tradition, whatever, the culture, that's what we do. And again, it's not about me. It's not about us as in the, 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 my family who, 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 who birthed this concept and put it into action. And then those who have come on or partnered up to help document it properly, play it right, because there is a way to play the blues and sing the blues. This is bigger than all of us. This is about our story and our story being understood by us because some of us don't understand it and by non-black folk. We are bridging gaps. We're not coming up here telling white people you can't play the blues. We're not coming up here saying that just because you're black you could play the blues because that's not true. What we are doing is giving the proper context of our story with the soundtrack of our story. 
Donate. Share. Submit articles. Submit um, even research documents that you've come up with. If you have recordings of either interviews or, or some sort of documentation that you may feel is not uh, worthy of podcast or worthy to be uh, sent to any of these big wig places or what have you, send it because the purpose of our platform is to host our story. So it's not, again, it's not just about us. It is about our people and the story of our people and, and, and having the story come from our people or those engaged with our people and culture. I'm no longer, and I've done this before because you guys, those of you who've heard, heard me before, seen me before, um, read any of the interviews that um, were conducted with me and not even just me conducting interviews or, or what have you, I've explained on many occasions when I first realized, because I got into this by default. So when they first realized how, what it was I was actually doing, and that's another thing, just on a side note, there's so many doing great works that don't realize or don't even care, it falls into this space. You may not need to come into this space, but this space needs you guys, right? So when I realized what it was that I was doing in regards to ethnography, folklore, black folk narrative through song and oral and, and written, I was on an attack. And I was being confronted, of course, not violently, not physical attacks, okay? I have, because of the day and age we're in, I have to make that disclaimer. But there were white scholars questioning my validity because I was not in the academic space initially. So I was on a mission to prove each and every one of them wrong and lift up this and it was wrong. I said this a couple of weeks ago. I'm, I'm just repeating this to give an understanding. This is not proof. This is not to attack anyone. This is definitely not to be divisive. What we're doing here is building a platform that gives the proper context and the actual story from the people so that all who appreciate are involved or would like to know, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your nationality, regardless of your tribe, identity, spiritual belief, or whatever, sexuality, whatever, regardless of any of those things, you can all come here and get an understanding And in hopes that that understanding leads to whether we care to hang out or not, we can coexist. We can get a, oh, okay. You know, so I speak, very, I'm very uh, uh, serious about getting into the academic space, not because necessarily I need to. But because instead of complaining about our story being told either wrong about other people, instead of complaining about saying, well, my son and my daughter is being taught by this one, that one, and third, instead of doing any of that, I, through the grace of the most high, I'm positioning myself, well, he's positioning me so I can be, I can contribute and be that face and that person our people need to see and give them the proper context of our story. Right. So instead of bashing, this is not divisive. None of this is about being divisive at this platform. What it is, is to 
let all of you and all of us understand the value and the riches of what we are and what we have individually, genealogically, tribally, community, etc., etc., so on and so forth. But we do need your help. Go to the donate page on Indiegogo. Give that donation. And to bring it full circle, I'm no longer out to prove a point, as I said before. We are taking active measures with great people who play many roles and do different, many different things to make sure our story is presented, preserved, documented, and archived with honor and respect to our ancestors, to our parents, our grandparents, et cetera, et cetera. Donate, y'all. Because no one expression is more important than the other. They're all avenues of our traditional behavior, heritage, and culture which is very important, all right? Donate. I'll be talking to y'all real soon. And look out for the radio station. It's coming. And I said this some time ago, but I never said that it was be about to come up. I said, we're talking about it. We're working on it. It's here. Blues, 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 and more blues. <laughs>